sense of failure. Throughout the Bible, there's a constant need for God's people to be led. But also in society today, we see a need for strong leadership. We see it in our jobs, we see it in sports, we see it in the medical field, and even politics. Although these are secular views of leadership, every nation, every occupation, and every individual has a need for a leader. Hebrews 13, 17 through 18, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are held accountable to God. Give them a reason to do this with joy and not sorrow, that they would certainly be for your benefit. Pray for us, for our conscience is cleared and we want to live honorably in everything that we do. This is Paul here speaking in our text. He is speaking to the congregation, advocating for a pastor or a leader, saying that, you need to pray for them and, and to be with them because without that, they cannot benefit. God has put leaders in our life, whether it's pastor, a ministry leader, or even a boss. It's not our job to tell our bosses what to do. They tell us what to do. And therefore, the same thing goes for our pastors or our leaders. Our job is to be a blessing to them and to pray for them. As Paul states, Hebrews thirteen eighteen, pray for us, for our conscience is clear and that we want to live honorably in everything that we do. You and I have always had, well, if you've worked, those bosses that push us to our limits. And then although they can be unsaved, God can still work on them and use them to bless your life. I've dealt with this personally for years. I've had bosses... They were horrible to me, and I was horrible to them. Until I got saved, I got a new perspective. And I was once told that how you act as a Christian is how how you work is what portrays you as a Christian. Hang on, I wrote it down. See, I'm trying to wing it. See? Uh, Okay, I started to gain favor um, with my bosses because... I started to pray for them and I started to submit to them. And I saw the conviction and the favor set upon them. And it changed my mind when I allowed God to do his job and for me to do mine. It gave me a peace knowing that I'm biblically doing what's right in the Lord. One thing we should always remember, here it is, that our work reflects who we are in Christ. This is what truly gave me a revelation when I learned this. And when I was truly allowed to submit to my boss's authority, although he was mean and a rotten and arrogant person, I showed him who I was as a Christian through my actions and rather than the words that I spoke. Matthew twelve twenty five. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. In a town or a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. Our leaders and our bosses can only benefit when we pray for them. And these are the people that you and I should pray for. The people who lead us inside and outside of the church. And this is why we pray for the leaders of our fellowship. Because they need wisdom. They need knowledge. They need supportive prayers that can help them. And this is the most powerful weapon that you and I have. 
It's prayer. And if we're not supportive of one another and we're being negative or criticizing those around us, we won't accomplish anything as we saw in our text. So let's look secondly at enemy infiltration. Our point, our first point on negligence explained the importance of a leader and the problems that occur when a leader is not present physically or spiritually. Our first point also explained how the lack of a support system for a leader can have an effect not only on the leader himself, but on the church or the individual as well. Speaking in a secular view. Now that we have an understanding of in the importance of a leadership, we're going to look at some consequences that occur when a leadership is not in place. Or when there's a lack of leadership. Let's refer back to our main text, Judges 2, 16 through 19. Then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. Yet Israel did not listen to the judge, but prostituted themselves by worshiping other gods. How quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors, who had walked in obedience with the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, he was the ju- he was with the judge and rescued them, rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people who were burdened by oppression and suffering. But when the judge died, the people returned back to their corrupt ways, behaving worse than those who had lived before them. They went after other gods, serving serving and worshipping them, and they refused to give up their practices and their stubborn ways. God's will is discussed in the first point of the sermon is that he will raise up a leader and stand in the gap between the enemy and God's people. His will is that his people who are under the leadership will take in consideration their leadership's teaching and support their leadership's decisions. When the Israelites did not listen to their judges, they weren't only being disobedient to their leaders, but they were actually being disobedient to God. Throughout the Old Testament, And even in the New Testament, the Israelites were given time after time to be obedient. And although God delivered them time after time from their enemies and revealed himself to them, they were still rebellious and denied him. And many people have a misunderstanding about the biblical history and why the Jews suffered so much persecution throughout the past. People question God's existence and how he allowed all these bad things to happen to them. But the truth be told, from the beginning of time, from Adam and Eve until now, the Israelites are still rebellious to this day. And God's will is that we would all have a free will. So God does not force them. We all know that God could have stopped Adam and Eve from sinning. God could have stopped you and I from sinning. But God did not do that because he's a graceful God and he's not forceful. He allows you and I to make our own decisions, and He will also allow us to face our consequences of our actions. You see, God's intentions aren't for us to fail. God's intentions aren't for us to be sinless either. His intentions for you and I is to do His will and abide in His word. He provides us with leadership, whether it's our boss, your parents, your pastor, your ministry leader, for guidance and for support. And even with great leaders, we can still fail. The crazy part is that the Israelites saw more miracles than you and I have ever seen. But yet, still to this day, their hearts are disobedient 
And they have turned from God. God even warns them from what's ahead of them in their disobedience. And they did not listen. Deuteronomy 28, 45 through 48. If you, if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and obey the commands and decrees he has given you, all the curses will pursue you and overtake you, and you are destroyed. These horrors will serve you as a sign and a warning among you and your descendants forever. If you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm for abundant beliefs you have received, you will serve your enemies whom the, Lord, whom the Lord has sent against you. You will be left hungry, thirsty, naked, and lacking everything. The Lord will put an iron yoke around your neck, oppressing you harshly until you are destroyed. The picture of a yoke, and I don't have, I didn't send Darren a picture, but it's what the ox would wear when they would like pull the plow. And what that is, it's a sign, it's a sign of bondage. So there's like prayers that say, we break the yoke of sin, you're breaking away that bondage. God is telling the Israelites that if they disobey him, which he knew they would, but he's warning them, if you do this, there's going to be destruction upon your life. But yet, the Israelites fail to please God, judge after judge, king after king, as a result of their disobedience and leaders, the Jews have suffered persecution throughout the Bible because they did not allow God nor their leaders to protect them. Our world we live in now is just like this scripture as we read. Our world, which was created and founded like God, has now become a more godless nation and we all see it and it's sickening. In Judges 2.17, it says how quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors and walked in, who walked in the obedience of the Lord's command. And that scripture still applies to the world that we live in today. In July 4th, 1776, we all know that this is the date of independence. Statistics say that the United States was found when the United States was founded there was a ninety five percent um it was ninety five percent Christianity because you know we were based on a Christian nation. As of now in twenty twenty three it went down to sixty three percent. This is a thirty two percent this this uh decrease. To make it even worse, it wasn't just a gradual decrease over time. As time goes on, the world gets worse and worse. It was a big drop. Another study found that in the early 90s, 90% of people identified as Christians. In 2020, we're talking early 90s, so let's just say hypothetically 30 years, it accounted for 64% of the population being Christians now. And this is not including the other religions, um, 16% are non-affiliated with God. Uh, oh no, it says 16 to 30% are atheists and they're not affiliated with any kind of religion at all. And the reason why it dropped so much from 1776 to 2002, I believe personally, is because the leadership 
of this nation. Um, you could argue and say that it was weak leadership. I say there was no leadership at all. We've all, we in this country have lost God-fearing leaders in this nation and in the world we live in. And as a result of it, we see the sin in the state of this world. You see they're in the schools, they're trying to take God out of everything. You're not allowed to talk about God in school. But they told me that my little brother and sister, they go to, um, they were going to public school. They got taken out now and they're going to a Christian school. But they weren't allowed to have Christian groups, but they're allowed to have satanic groups. Which is, it's, it's just disturbing. But that's the world we've come to. It's become more godless. And that's why the state of humanity is the way that it is. But there is a hope. So let's look lastly at reconciliation. Judges 2.18 Whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, he was with the judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people who were burdened by oppression and suffering. In this text, he states, it states that, capital letter, he, he referring to God, he was with the judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. The judge is referring to a leader. The key word in this scripture I want to take in consideration is the word lifetime. Because when a man becomes a leader, it's a temporary job. We are all going to perish one day. But the hope is that, that when the leader goes on with the Lord, that his leadership qualities will rise up men to carry those on for generation and generation. And we saw that with Elijah and Elijah. We also see that in our fellowship today. You and I are part of one of the greatest movements on this earth right now. And I talked about it in the offering because I knew that I was going to talk about this. It's not a prophecy. One man said that Pastor Mitt, uh, one man started this entire fellowship. And through his excellent leadership, he had ups and downs. But till this day, his inheritance is still passed on from leadership to leadership. That same spirit that Wayman Mitchell had is still alive today. And we see that. And we're carrying on this vision. And we see that this week in this conference, how God is powerfully using Pastor Mitchell's leadership in his son, Greg Mitchell, and all these other leaders in the world. Even me being up here, it's a product of Wayman Mitchell. Our leaders are only here for a God-appointed time, again, they will go on and be with God one day, just like, you know, Pastor Cluck and Pastor Mitchell. Just as the judges were in the books. God used the judges for a time. Then, another jo- judge rose up. And just like us, Pastor Mitchell passed away, and then his son rose up. We see this in the last couple of years that many, many pastors unfortunately have passed away. But the hope is that their spirits are still alive today. And they're living in their disciples. And they're carried on 
today. Mark 16, 15 through 18. And then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to anyone. Anyone who believes is baptized and will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These are the, these miraculous signs will accompany by those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes safely. They will drink any, and they can drink anything poisonous and it will not hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. This is our vision. Evangelism, discipleship, and church plant. That's our vision in a nutshell. And this is the goal of our fellowship. We recognize and we understand the importance of our place in this fellowship. And the responsibility that we need to carry on this vision from generation to generation. This is why I pray for our teenagers and our kids. Because they are the generation for this, the madness that we're going into. Leadership isn't a person. It's a quality. And although you may not be a pastor, you may not run a church, you may not run a company, you may not run a political movement, you can still be an example and you can still lead people to Christ. You can lead an outreach. You can lead bands. You can lead dramas. You can lead a ministry that hasn't been developed up. You can come up with all those ideas. And by definition, a leader doesn't say it's a man. No, a leader is a person who leads or commands a group, an organization, or a country. This is a character trait that all of us should contend for, as this is beneficial to God's kingdom. I'll close with this. Over 200 years ago, a man in civilian clothes rode past a small group of tired and battled weary soldiers. They were digging what appeared to be an important defensive position, like a trench. The leader of the group wasn't making any effort to help. He shouted orders and threatened to punish the group if they didn't complete the work within the hour. A stranger on horseback rode by and said, Sir, why aren't you helping them? The leader started to yell and said, I'm in charge. The men do as I tell them, said the leader. He said, If you're so concerned about it, why don't you help them yourself? The mean leader surprised, to, to the mean leader's surprise, the man, the stranger off the horse, got off and helped these men complete digging the trench within that hour. Before the stranger congratulated the men on their hard work, he approached the confused leader. The stranger said, you should notify the top command next time your rank prevents you from supporting your men, and I will provide a more permanent solution, the stranger said. Up close now, the humbled leader that was screaming at them recognized that this man was George Washington. And he was taught a lesson that day that he would never forget. Now we all know George Washington was our first president and he would go on to be 
one of the greatest of this nation, the one who founded America on Christianity. Unlike the groups, unlike the group leader in this illustration, Mr. Washington physically got down and dirty with his men and stood with them in the trenches. And that's what you and I are part of in this fellowship. We have pastors that have labored blood, sweat, and tears for you and I so we can be in this place, to be in this building today because of their willingness to labor and for their sacrifice for God's kingdom because that is what a leader is. Mark ten forty two through 45. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world, Lord, it over their people, and the officials flaunt their authorities over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first, you must be a slave to everyone first. For even the Son of Man came to serve, to serve, and but not to be sub, served by others, for his life was given for ransom for many. You see, Jesus labored. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for you and I. He, there's the famous story where he washed the disciples' feet with his hair. And they said that they should do it for him, but that's when he brought in the scripture telling them that no, the, the Son of God came to, to serve. God stood in our place. He took our punishment. Although Raymond Mitchell is not here, his spirit leads on, yes, but Jesus Christ is alive and well. And he is the ultimate leader for you and I. And through him, we can accomplish all things. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The least you and I can do, which is practical, is to abide in God and his word. We need to be uh, in prayer contending together. For each one of us, we gotta pray for our pastor, we gotta pray for the leaders of this fellowship, we gotta pray for one another, um, this city, this nation, we need each other. We must stand behind the word of God and the men of God that God has appointed for us. And this is the only way that you and I will see a breakthrough personally and spiritually in a revival in the world that we live in today. If we stand together and stand behind the men of God, Nothing can bring us down. Let's bow our heads this evening and close our eyes. We're going to give an opportunity here tonight. To pray a prayer of salvation. If you are not right with God. You see here tonight I ministered on leadership. And yes, men are merely men and no one is perfect and we all make mistakes. And we all have flaws in life. But Jesus Christ, he died on the cross for you and I 2,000 years ago. He shed his perfect and his innocent blood, putting sin to death. 
Because that's what sin deserves. God saw the flaw. And he had an immediate answer when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Again, he could have stopped them, but no, he's a God of free will. He could have stopped them. He could have stopped you in your sin. But no, he's a God of free will. And when Jesus came to this earth, you heard me say multiple times tonight that Jesus made it possible for the men to stand in the gap for the enemy. But ultimately, Jesus Christ stood in the gap between sin and us, making it possible that we can have a relationship with him through his precious blood. And maybe you're here tonight, you've not allowed God to be your leader. You've allowed sin to dwell in your heart. You see, the Bible says that sin is what man knows is right, but yet does wrong. And the Bible says that we've all sinned. That we all fall short of the glory of God. But the hope here tonight is that that leader, Jesus Christ, made a way for you to have a personal relationship with him and to make heaven in your home. And that's through repentance. Being born again. This is not a physical thing. This is a spiritual thing. When you become born again, you're saying, God, I turn away from my sin. I put it behind me. I put you first. I'm done living the life that this world has promised me. It's brought me nothing but regret and remorse. I want to live for you and I want to serve you. That is what repentance is. Turning away from your sin and living for God. It's a 180, not a 360. We aren't supposed to come in this building and leave the same. We're supposed to leave this place changed. And that can be possible for you here tonight. With this simple prayer. And I wonder. In a crowd this size. How many would there be. That would say. I would like to say a prayer of repentance. I want to give my life to Jesus. With an uplifted hand. Would there be anybody in this place. That would like. To turn away from their sin. And to stand behind Jesus Christ. The ultimate leader. Anyone at all. Maybe you once were saved. And you've backslid and you've turned away from God. You've lied the devil to lie to you. To bring you against the people who are above you. To bring sin into your heart. To pull you away from God. To pull you away from your prayer life. To go more towards a secular lifestyle rather than a godly lifestyle. Backslider, Jesus loves you. I've been in that place. It's a horrible, horrible place to be. But when I surrendered my heart, I gave everything to God. And man, He changed me. And you can have the same thing. I'll make one last appeal. Is there anyone at all in this place that would like to say a prayer of repentance? Alright, I'll turn the service to us Christians. You see, God has put 
our pastor ahead of us. He has put your ministry leaders ahead of you. Your bosses. It does us no good when we tell our boss what to do. Yeah, there's practicality. You don't, if he says jump off a bridge, you don't jump off a bridge. I mean, that's pretty obvious, but submitting and being obedient, but praying for them. I learned that the hard way. When I started to pray and contend and seek God before I became my own boss, God really helped me. And my boss saw the better in me. And I've learned through our pastors, I've <laughs> I've got rebuked. But that's because I was trying to do it my way. But when we submit to God's will and God's way, God will use us powerfully. And when we stand together, as I said, nothing can bring us apart. So I challenge you here tonight. Pray for our leaders. The leaders of this fellowship. Pray for your ministry leaders. Pray for your bosses. Pray for your spouses. Pray for this generation, these children, who will one day inherit these leadership qualities in which this fellowship has carried on. These altars are open, church. Come and talk to God this evening. And we're going to sing that song, Well Done. I will wait on you, Lord, till you come. And I can almost hear the trumpet sound. And in a twinkling of a night, I'll be gone. And I can't wait to hear the word, well done, well done, faithful servant.
again and sing that song one more time. And I will wait on you, Lord, till you come. And I can almost hear the trumpet sound. And in a twinkling of an eye, I'll be gone. And I can wait to hear the words. Well done. Well done. And well done, faithful servant. Let's give God praise. Thank you, Jesus.